the Pittsburgh Penguins have been sent tonight. Welcome back to Game Over Ottawa, everyone. I'm your host, Maude, and joining to me today, I have Louis Boulet from the Zoobcast. How are you doing tonight, Louis? Pretty good. I mean, given that the Sens won especially well, you know, mm. like that that could have been disastrous, but we we avoided it. Brady Kachuk with a beautiful goal and uh, we're rolling. Yeah, just a just a crazy game tonight. I think it was a bit of a roller coaster of emotions, but I think in the end, I think the Sens fan base is probably going to be coming away from that one pretty happy, especially overtime winners are so hype, especially uh, having our captain score it. That was just just an awesome moment. So I think that game... Uh, Gave us lots to talk about here today, and we'll also get into, uh, there was some drama with the Sens earlier today. We had uh, the Matthew Joseph drama, and we can t discuss the return of Josh Norris as well. So, should be an awesome show here tonight. Uh, we will just quickly get a word from our sponsor, Sports Interaction. Think you know which way it's going to go? Make your bet with Sports Interaction. Whether it's hockey, football, or basketball, Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pre-game, live and play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all that sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. That's sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. 19 plus, please play responsibly. All right, so... I think tonight we're gonna gonna want to start it off with some positives, I, and I think the main story for tonight has got to be the Sens power play, isn't it? Just four four power play goals is pretty ridiculous, and I I need to check if I still have this stat open. Yeah, it was the first time the Sens have scored four power play goals in a game since uh, December two thousand five against Toronto, where they scored six that night. That's uh, from Ian Mendez on Twitter. So. Awesome night for the Sens power play, and I feel like they kind of needed a night like that because even though the power play is really good on the season, like I feel like the last few games it was really slumping, eh? Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, it felt like everything was slumping the last few games, but mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's been much better, obviously, getting Norris back and not having to roll basically an almost fully bottom six second unit is nice. Yeah. Because now, instead of having Broussard and all due respect to Lucini. Um, no Lucini on the second unit. Um, now you get Giroux, who's always been there, but he's even more uh, complimented by shooting threats like Pinto, like Norris, and then you have Sanderson there. Broussard was still was still on the unit. Maybe we could have, you know, looked at. I, I've been advocating for Brandstrom on the second unit for a while now and running two D there, but hey, it worked out today. Pinto scored on that. I think was he the only second unit goal? I think hmm, so. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but still, it it, sh it shows to how how much more effective they were tonight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I felt like the second unit was generating way more chances than they they have been lately. Like you said, with those uh, bottom six guys in there on the power play, it it felt like DJ was just kind of kind of screwed for options on the second unit for a while there. But getting getting Norris in there was awesome. Um, I think, uh, and you know. <laughs> We had nine power play chances and getting getting four for nine, like that's almost what almost fifty percent, eh? Like just a little bit yeah. under. That's I feel like that's so rare and it feels it feels weird for me to have a Sens team actually be that good on the power play. Like probably we probably haven't had that since like the pizza days. Yeah, it's it's been so long since we've had this. Like I remember like very vividly still the days of the Sens being like, all right, where does the Sens power play start? behind our own net mm -hmm. and then we couldn't get his own entry at all and then tim stutzler came into the picture and just all around the skill has grown to make it so that it's it's a legitimate threat like i i don't know exactly where we are on the season 
within the league, but it's definitely one of our most favorable stats as a team. And I feel like that's that's very good to be able to have to fall back on. Obviously, it's going to help a lot on a night where you draw nine power plays with, I think, two two double minors. One of them was more of two penalties stacked on to each other and the other with a double because of a high stick, uh, high sticking damage to the face. But, you know, it's it's very, very good to be able to have. And it helps us being optimistic uh, looking towards the future. Mm hmm. Yeah. And it frustrating night for Mike Sullivan and the Penguins for sure too because he he was screaming on the bench like crazy I, every time they cut to him yeah yeah oh my god so rough night for the Penguins there but they still did get five power plays of their own that was um that evened it out a little bit I feel like just because of those two it was those two double minors that really made the difference in terms of uh the stats the overall opportunities but um one one thing you mentioned about how uh it's always like before when the Sens were on the power play, it's like, okay, we're starting behind our own net. I feel like we still, we have that a little bit. We're like, mm -hmm. I feel like we lose the draws a lot on the power play, but, and I, and I feel like I see a lot of Shabbat uh, skating back, picking it up. However, maybe that's just because he plays all the power play minutes that he, he's going to spend a lot of time doing that. But one thing you mentioned, like potentially putting Brantstrom on the power play. I think a lot of people have been wanting to see that too. Uh, but I, I, I kind of feel like I'm starting to prefer Jake Sanderson over Thomas Shabbat. Oh, on the, I'd say on, the power on, play. on top. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I would, I would have said more like on, on top of Sanderson, like you run 2D on the second unit, mm -hmm. but yeah, I could definitely see the argument for switching Shabbat off the first unit and putting in Sanderson there because Sanderson has been more mobile anyway in the Ozone. And we were able to see that a ton today in general, because he was just off the zone entries, darting in, you know, getting chances even deeper, activating into the play, going around, really trying to scan and find a best possible option instead of, you know, stopping and being forced to dump it in. So it's it's been really nice to see him develop that kind of uh, creativity and confidence with the puck, which is which really aligns with how his development has been over the last few years. Like I remember uh, scouting him a little over the 2020 season, and it, it's the same thing. And even when he joined North Dakota too, which by the way. Shout out North Dakota with my ah, my, nice, my North nice. Dakota hoodie too. I didn't even notice that. Um, I mean, it's it's hard to see with the mic, right? Yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah, it, that's the thing. Sanderson, it takes him around like until two thirds into the season at his new level. Then you really start to see him get that confidence, rather than just you know staying with the steady plays and all that stuff. But now he's really starting to be able to show the potential offensive upside there. And if he can really build on top of it, you're making a really good case for a strong one of the strongest left sides in the league, possibly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I never watched any full games when Sanderson was at UND, but I would always see the highlights and he was always working it around on the power play. Like I, I really liked his uh, his quarterbacking ability on that second unit. And it's probably nitpicking here tonight with how successful the power play was. And Shabbat did get three power play assists. But is it just me or, or does Shabbat kind of bobble the puck a lot at the point? Or like he gets a there's a lot of passes that just kind of hop over his stick. I don't know what it is, but I feel like that happens a lot with him specifically. Is it just me? No, not really. I feel like more recently too, well, especially today, there was one sequence where I think Shabbat bobbled it, pass it off to, to Stutzla, then he bobbled it a little, yeah. pass it back to Shabbat, he gave it up, then Jeff, Jeff Carter came back the other way, he bobbled it on the shot. <laughs> it was just, it, it was awful everywhere. But I, I, I do see where you're coming from. It has been a little bit rougher in terms of puck handling at the point. I do think that gets ironed out just because Shabbat is just that skilled, right? Mm -hmm. And it's it's been a tough like season at the start. Last few games have been 
a little less than optimal, but that's the thing. He, he's going to bounce back. It's Thomas Shabbat. He's, he, he's our star defenseman, you know, and he, I'm just waiting to be able to see him to come back to top pair shape. It doesn't help that he hasn't had a stable partner the entire year, right? Like Zub's yeah, had injury woes sure. going back for so long. I, do we even know what his what his injury situation is? Because we have, I haven't heard about it. Yeah, I have no clue. All I saw was that he was retroactively placed on IR with the date. Like it, it went on today, but it was retroactive to the date of the 14th, which was I guess was the Colorado game. But I have literally no clue what the injury is, so... I haven't seen anything either, which that that sucks when you don't even get any details on an injury. I feel like that kind of kind of implies that it could be something that keeps them out for a little bit if they if they don't say right away. Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> like I, at least hey, at least we got Jacob Bernard Docker today. Like, yeah, he he had a decent game. You know, he had uh, there was a few defensive zone retrievals that maybe could have been a little bit more urgency or a little. Like I noticed a lot of times he was scanning properly. The thing is he was taking so long to do it that by the time he got to the puck and he had fully mapped out the ice and kind of figured out what he wanted to do with his play next, he was already getting pressured, which caused, you know, bobbles or like forced passes that didn't make it for a possible clean full exit. But, you know, it's it's just how many games has it been since he's been called up now? Is it I think it's just the two because he got called up after Zubat. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so he hasn't he hasn't had much of a much of a long time to get back reacclimated into the NHL again. Again, he's it's going to take time, but being thrust on the top pair is is not the easiest job, right? But I much prefer it over a lot of the alternatives. Yeah, I'm really hoping they give him a, a strong run of games here. We were talking about it last show, uh, like when Zub comes back. And Zaitsev is also injured, so when he comes back as well, we, we, we're really hoping that, that JBD uh, sticks in there and, and, you know, we can keep Zaitsev as sort of like the seventh D because it, this is just, I think at this point in the season, you just got to play the, play the young guys and get them, get them acclimated at the NHL level. I wonder if, I wonder if Holden gets scratched at any point. Like, I, I think, mm. I still think I'd rather, still think I'd rather Holden on the, on the, third pair right D rather than Zaitsev. Obviously Zaitsev's going to end up playing higher because knowing DJ Smith's preferences of where to place him in the lineup. Yeah. Um, but Holden has really lost a step, man. He got burned today by, um, oh, was it Zucker? I don't quite remember, but it was some point in the third where he just got darted by so easily. And then, oh, or was it the second? Actually, I don't remember. It was second half of the game. Um, and... Pittsburgh just got a clean chance and luckily they fanned on like a wide open net because Talbot didn't really have much of a chance on it. But yeah, it's it's been a little bit tough for Holden. The, the guy seems like a, like an absolute gem, all the content that he that he posts. But it, this season has definitely been a step back, especially in terms of skating for him. But he's getting up there in age, right? Like it's mm -hmm. I think this is also the last year in his contract, I believe. I think so. Um, so we might not see him again after this season. Yeah, I definitely agree about Holden. I, I was surprised by his game last year. I he because I wasn't really expecting much from him. I feel like he's kind of a guy that people don't really know much about league wide. So when we traded Dadnov for him, I was like, oh, that's just kind of kind of weird. Like they, I guess they had they had scouted him, and it's not someone who was necessarily on anyone's radar for for a defensive pickup for the Sens. But he was pretty solid last year. But I definitely do agree that I think he is losing a step. Uh, if it is the last year of his contract, which I think it is, I'm I'm hoping maybe we, maybe we can get a pick for him at the deadline, you know, and then you'll just have like hopefully if everyone's healthy, like 
I guess Zaitsev has to come back in. Not that we definitely want Zaitsev in the lineup, but get him playing. Maybe he can raise his value a little bit more uh, going into the offseason and maybe someone will want to take on the rest of his contract at that point. Um, and then, yeah. and then you I, know, I mean, at JPD least it'll be, it'll be easier to move him at least next year in terms of Zaitsev because at that point you're hitting the one-year threshold where it's so much easier to be able to project out your cap situation if you're GM looking to take him on whether it's for like to take on picks too or whatever. But as soon as you hit the multi-year threshold, there's too many variables that so many jams are going to back off and be like, no, I don't want to take the risk, right? But mm -hmm. now you're getting to the point where once you hit that one-year term, it's like, okay, maybe we can really consider bringing this guy in, hopefully adding in some picks. If you're the other team, if you're the sense, you're really hoping you don't give up too much and you can offload that contract. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking at Holden's numbers right now. And that's the thing. He still had good defensive metrics like in terms of quantity and quality suppression, um, even before the Sens got him, which I, I remember a little seeing, but it's, okay. it has definitely taken a step back since then. Mm -hmm. um, especially, well, not quite as much. I'm looking at some of his transition defense metrics, and he is he's very much allowing more chances off the rush, not breaking up as much uh, when it comes to preventing the opposition from entering the zone. So you, you can really tell, even in the data, that it's it's starting to trend. Well, it's continuing, I guess, to trend downwards for Holden, unfortunately. Yeah, well, in terms of uh, players who are kind of trending down lately, I think we do have to talk about Cam Talbot a little bit tonight, too, because I do feel like, unfortunately, he was kind of the only reason that this game was close, uh, to put it bluntly. Uh, In the worst way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Like, uh, I, I flip-flop on our goalies all the time. Like, I feel like I, I come on for one game and I'm like, damn, that goalie was great tonight. And then I come on for the next game. It's like the next game right after they play two in a row. And then it's like, oh, yeah, he was not good tonight. Like, it's, uh, uh, what, what, what's your take on the Senators' goaltending overall, really? I've, I, and I, I mentioned this on the last Zoomcast episode, and I feel like I, it, it's going to come soon because we have, we have a lot of Cam Talbot fans that I know who listen, mm -hmm. but I've, I've always been a Forsberg head. Um, and so I, I do think at, at minimum, you should play them both into a fairly regular rhythm. That way they can get some stability going because that's very important when it comes to goaltending is to at least get some sort of base foundation down. That way you can, you know, get get into the games much better. There's not as much of a warm-up speed effect. Uh, you're always got the same routine down. So the fact that we're kind of riding right now, it's not really riding the hot goalie because no goalie is, is yeah, being hot currently. We haven't been able like, to do that. Yeah, I, I still think Forsberg should get more games in, and I feel like he will, given Talbot's performance today, unfortunately, for him. Um, like, But he did have a bad game, Forsberg, against Colorado. Talbot, bad today. Um, one thing I will say, though, is that Talbot was in an environment in Minnesota last year that really fit his play style decently well. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I've been working on some, some analysis to try to compare goalies what, and whatever types of shots uh, whatever type of movement stats that follow them and uh, their team fit that would ideally minimize or maximize the shots that they're weak or strong against. And Minnesota is actually second on Talbot's rank, whereas Ottawa is 20th. Oh, wow. Uh, so you're really starting to see that trend downwards. And uh, it, in the other way, Gustafson actually had Ottawa last Oof. in his team fit. So the fact that he's doing so well with Minnesota now Mm -hmm. it's, it's not not the biggest surprise either. Like I, I'm still sad we traded away Gus because he's one of my favorite players. Um, on the Sens last few years. But yeah, I, in summary, I really just hope we get more Forsberg games because I, I love the guy. 
And uh, in general, I feel like it will be better for the team if you're more evenly splitting anyway or trending towards that direction when you're deploying your goalies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'd like to hear a little bit more about those stats you're talking about. So how, how exactly do you come up with those rankings? Um, a lot of it is looking at specifically how how a team's defensive metrics are um, are distributed. Mm-hmm. Like I'm looking at how much they're giving up in terms of passing plays, screenshots, dead angle shots, um, what percent of their shots are coming off the rush versus cycle, how many of it is low danger versus medium danger. Um, and you, specifically, I, I've one of the stats I measured is, is reaction speed. So how fast is a goalie is being able to react to shots that are tipped or deflected? Mm-hmm. And Talbot is bottom 25th percentile in the league. Oh, wow. And the Sens give up top 25th percentile in the league most, <laughs> most of those shots. So that's really not helping his case. Um, a lot of his shot absorption tonight was also not there, which doesn't help. Like, I feel like all four of the goals against could have either been caught by his glove or really just absorbed better with his body. Mm-hmm. And it, it's weird because those are, you would never see like four goals like that all by the same goalie in one game. It was yeah. kind of ex- an extraordinary disaster in a way. Obviously, it didn't end up costing us, which is maybe even more impressive, <laughs> honestly. But mm-hmm. I, I it it really is a bad game. Obviously, we've seen Talbot be much better. It, that's the thing is he's not the most consistent goalie. Like his ratio of poor games to great games is uh, maybe a little bit more favoring, more inconsistent than Forsberg, where you're seeing more of those fine to average decent games. But yeah, again, if if you're really trying to maximize their potential here. Split up the starts as much as you can until maybe you really see one of them really pop off. Then you can start favoring him a little. But yeah, getting a routine down, some sort of stability is where I see uh, the most success coming for. Yeah, I definitely noticed earlier in the season with Talbot pretty quickly that he seems to have like really high highs and then really low lows. I remember uh, the first time I noticed that this season was a game against uh, the first game against Vancouver. I think it was they beat us six four in our own barn, and it was like the game before that, the first couple games before that, Talbot was just playing amazing, and then that game it was like six goals on like twenty four shots. So it, it, it's it's an interesting thing with Talbot that the consistency. I guess I, I would say Forsberg is a little bit more consistent, whereas Talbot is more likely to steal you a game, but then he seems almost kind of he more has much higher to... highs. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly, yeah. And uh, one thing I've also looked at with Talbot is I feel like some of those lows for Talbot especially come earlier in the games, and then he really starts to heat up. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that wasn't as much on display today. It was just pretty pretty flat meh all around, or maybe even worse. Uh, but yeah, like I have Talbot's early performance in games and early in periods around bottom 25th percentile, then his... Uh, his play later on jumps up to like 80th, which is really interesting to be able to see him elevate that much. And it, it's great because it's it's kept us in games a lot early on in the season. But the problem is, again, we weren't getting the scoring support at all. Because yeah. remember that long stretch where we just couldn't score with the net empty? That was brutal. Um, so it's it, it's nice to be able to have that option. But then again, you'd like to see a little more consistency across the board, ideally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least... We actually got the goal support for for our goalies yeah. for once tonight. Like, especially after the St. Louis game, where yeah, Talbot had that one gaffe, but he only allowed two goals, and we just couldn't get it done for him. Like that was like that was a game that was totally winnable against St. Louis. So even though Talbot was kind of the reason that it was even close today, at least we were able to to make it up to for him and 
and actually uh, grind out grind out a hard-fought win. Now, uh, to shift the conversation a little bit, we get, definitely got to talk about Josh Norris finally back in the lineup. And it was a conversation on Twitter today when it was mentioned that Norris would not be taking any face-offs and Giroud would be taking them all. So then people were kind of getting scared of like, is he really 100%? And are, are you kind of feeling that way too, kind of questioning it? Yeah, I at that point, it's like, what? why are you forcing it? I... I don't really get the point because I feel like the my expectation anyway going into this season, and I've, I've repeated this countless times, is that um, I I didn't expect this team to make the playoffs necessarily. Obviously, it'd be great, and you want to get some you want to get some important games played down the stretch to really be able to show some sort of progress. But we're at the point where it's it doesn't really look very feasible. I know we're only at the halfway mark, and anything's really possible. And getting Josh Norris back is huge. But here you really, I feel like you really got to prioritize the long-term health mm-hmm. of of your possible 40, 40 goal scorer. Like, especially when it's someone who relies so much on shots where you absolutely slap the puck in the ice. Yeah. Like that is, that could possibly wear down your shoulder. Huge shoulder Even, movement like, on all those one In your first game back. Yeah, that's the thing. So I, I, I don't get, I, I was joking with Adam today um, about how, uh, he's not. He's not going to take any faceoffs, but he's still going to take one timers from like from the circle. It's like what? What's the difference here? Yeah. Why? Why is he even playing? Like I know you don't want to get him into more situations where he just re-injured his or where he's first injured his his shoulder. And same for Pinto, right? It was the same exact way, just off a faceoff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I just don't get playing him. You, you're almost at a point where I think it's if you wait another two weeks, sure he misses seven games, or maybe just wait a little longer until his shoulder's fine. But if you wait two weeks specifically, you got another week and a half, three with no games that coincides with the All-Star break. That's true. It's a huge break coming up, yeah. So maybe with that, you're able to really fully 100% be certain that it'll be fine, and then you get him to take face-offs. Obviously, the fact that he's taking face-offs or not is not the part that bothers me. It's just that he's clearly not 100% if you're not allowing him to take face-offs. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really... I, I just don't really get the logic behind it. I, I get that they're trying to really make a push in something, but it just doesn't seem very feasible right now to the point where you'd be placing Josh Norris's partially recovered, but mostly recovered shoulder at, at, in jeopardy. Yeah, like it makes sense to me that, that they would have him go easy on the faceoffs just because of what happened to Pinto last year. They definitely don't want to see that same situation. But you bring up a great point about how, like, how can they determine that it's it might be unsafe to take faceoffs, but it's totally safe uh, for like any other contact, basically, and ripping those one timers. That that's definitely a a weird distinction. That I don't know. Maybe maybe the team doctors have have the reason that we we're not privy to but it, it's definitely i was gonna say i don't i don't have any medical yeah. experience so i can't really speak to that like i'm I'm a stats guy like i i'm studying stats i don't have anything medically wise but it, it just seems off right like mm-hmm. it, it doesn't seem right to be able to not allow him to do phase offs but everything else checking wise one time wise is is perfectly good and in play yeah i think i think it's just a lot of paranoia after what happened to Pinto last year. Like it, it would be a, a complete disaster if if we had basically the same incident with Norris just re-injuring the shoulder again. Because I remember, I think they said at the beginning of the season when he got hurt, it was basically a choice between rehabbing or getting surgery. And they had said that if he got the surgery, he probably wouldn't play again for the whole season. 
So that's why they decided to go the rehab route, get him back in there. But I feel like even with choosing the rehab route, I feel like this is earlier than anyone really expected. So, but but I feel like that like there happens. There were rumors that he wouldn't come back, right? Yeah, like yeah. There were parts where it's like, we'd be lucky to even have him back. So I don't know. We could even see him take, like still do surgery in the summer, which a lot of NHLers have done where they mm -hmm. just rehab for the season. Then over the offseason, they do that hopefully be back in time for preseason, maybe miss a month or two of the regular season, but then you're right back into it. It's mm -hmm. just, I don't know, like you're at a point where you really just got to prioritize long-term health. Yeah. Well, regardless, he is back. Did you like his game tonight? I think he was solid. I think there was a little bit of rust on the one-timers, which mm -hmm. every time he took a one T, I was like, I was a little <laughs> just scared. Just missing every time. Yeah, but no, he was good. He really helped that second unit. Um, he this season in general and today too he was helping a lot more uh when it turns to breaking the puck out which is nice i still find the the line combinations in the top six a little weird mm -hmm. in the sense that you have your two prime shooters on the same line and you have a great playmaker with Giroux there to really help them out but the problem is if you're i feel like if you're going to break up that incredible line of kachuk stutzler Giroux you maybe try to get to bring it with Stutzla instead. Yes. And because I, I know they broke that up in preseason, but that's because it didn't work in like one or two preseason games. Mm -hmm. This, this to bring it Norris and Giroux slash Batherson line or whatever has not really been the most effective throughout almost all of the regular season games up to this, up to this point this season. So I, I don't know if I agree with the deployment that they've got going. I don't know what I would do myself. I think I still would prefer to keep that Kachuk Stutzla line because they've been so good. Like I'd say they've been a top five line in the NHL so far this season. Like mm -hmm. Stutzla has obviously been incredible, and that was displayed by his goal. Like my God, that was insane today. Ridiculous. Like, his skating is just so incredible. Like draft year Stutzla totally would have maybe stopped spun around and gone back towards the boards there because mm -hmm. he, he was pushed off to the perimeter a ton but seeing him attack the middle like that open his hips really allow him to use his agility and his skating to exploit towards the middle and that's that's not anyone that he's exploiting to the middle against that's Sidney crosby yeah absolutely burned crosby <laughs> and and then just a beautiful shot in the high slot like he was able to identify that open open lane down the middle and just completely take advantage of it obviously it was on the power play so th that's probably why there was so much room but still the fact that he was able to make that play is just incredible yeah he he saw that open space and he took it i just i love the aggression on that play the explosiveness in his skating as well just just beautiful stuff from from timmy and i totally agree about the line combos i did actually think that uh the norris dumbrinka and sharu line was our best line five on five today but i do have a similar sentiment to you in terms of wanting to see the top six a little bit different uh I do want to see Dubrincic with Stutzla as well. I feel like that's what everyone was dreaming of in the summer, and we just haven't really seen it yet. And since Stutzla has been playing with Giroux as well, I feel like it could be uh, an easier transition to put Dubrincic, Stutzla, and Giroux because they've at least you have two yeah. of those guys already playing together. And then we already know that uh, Kachuk, Norris, and Batherson can be a great line. From last year. Yeah. I, I kind of thought that that's what they were going to do right away was put Norris back in with Kachuk and Batherson because it's putting him in with guys that uh, he's used to playing with. I noticed today, like, on both even strength and on the power play units, Norris has never played with any of these players before outside of the preseason and the first five games of the year. Like, he's out there with Debrinkit, Giroux, and then on the power play with uh, Sanderson, Broussard, and Pinto as well. Like, it's totally new for, for Josh Norris. So it's, it's a little bit 
it, it can be a little bit tough for him to try to get used to new line mates. So I kind of, I would kind of like to see him back with uh, Kachuk and Batherson. Yeah, I agree. Honestly, like I, th I think that's the way, and that's what we had going into preseason, and they, it hasn't really been tried out at all in the regular season. So, DJ Smith, make it happen, please. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> if you're listening to this, DJ, come on. I'm, just, I'm sure he does. I'm sure that <laughs> he does his post game interviews, and then he hops on to Game Over Ottawa. Yeah. He thanks the Gambrell line, and then he's like, "All right, time to tune in." Hell yeah. All right, so we've got just a few minutes left here. We definitely got to talk about the Matthew Joseph scratch because this was the source of all the drama today. Uh, I feel like everyone was at first speculating that it was just like DJ's choice and that he didn't want to put Joseph in ahead of everyone else. And then the narrative kind of shifted to, well, maybe it was sort of a discipline thing. Of course, they didn't say anything and they just left it all up to speculation for, for the fan base, which is kind of what bothered me about it because I feel like for example, if a player is late for a team meeting, when we've seen those things happen in the NHL before, I feel like teams and coaches, they just say it. They just tell the media right away. It's just say, yeah, this is the situation. This guy isn't going to play tonight. And then there's not really much drama at all. But then they didn't really give us any details today. And then, of course, you have the whole factor with uh, Joseph's family and friends being able to make it out to this game. And then he's not playing, only his brother was playing so I, at least they had that at least they got to watch his brother but they were cheering for pittsburgh <laughs> yeah yeah definitely tonight so it just i hopefully we get more details on this but it it left a sour taste in my mouth i feel like even if if for example it was something about being like late to a meeting or practice or something like that it it might be just me being too soft but i feel like just because joseph had everyone coming to visit for this game i feel like you should have let it slide. Like if I was the coach, I'd be like, okay, you got 50 people coming to the game. We can, you know, punish you later sort of, but like tonight is your night. Like you have to have him in the lineup. I feel like we don't know what happened, but do you kind of agree with that, that he should have, that he should have just played anyway? Yeah, it, it, it's true that we don't know what truly happened, but it does feel like awfully weird timing mm -hmm. to have that happen, especially today. And they've made it clear that it wasn't like a like i don't know it seems like they've created kind of drama out of nothing yeah. because they they could have said oh maybe he's not ready or whatever but exactly. clearly it seems like they're trying to trying to send a message almost which i don't get like mm -hmm. again we don't know what happened but like if you're if you're looking at specifically oh maybe they did just scratch him like because they felt like they had a better bottom six come on like that. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, no, but no that, this bottom six has not been the answer. Like, sure, Joseph has taken a step back since last year, but he still got that very diverse uh, profile in terms of being very good in transition while still being a very good checker mm -hmm. and still having some solid passing and playmaking numbers. Again, his finishing has not been nearly there. And I've seen the comparisons with, oh, but, you know, Nick Paul is doing so well in in Tampa. First of all, Matthew Joseph is, is getting some horrible zone start deployment and some really bad quality of teammates and playing at some really good competition. Mm -hmm. Nick Paul is having, I think I have him at around the 98th percentile in terms of finishing in the league this season. Jeez. With the same level of individual creation and off-puck support. So it really is just a lot of probably very good passing skill from his from his line mates. He's also got really, yeah, his quality of teammates is incredibly high. I think high. he's playing with Stamkos lately, right? Yeah, like that's the thing. You're playing mm -hmm. it's such an elevated an elevated role in terms of teammates and opportunities. And the thing, it's not like he's creating all those chances by himself or being more of an option than he usually is. It's just he's finishing on so much more of them. 
Mm-hmm. And given that contract, I don't because that is still seven years, right? But hey, he's on yeah. pace for thirty goals. All the best to him. We we still love Nick Paul here. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I still really like Joseph, and it, it feels odd to to have this all happen right now. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see really what happens. But it, it it does leave a sour taste in my mouth. You said. Yeah, I was really excited to see Joseph back in the lineup. I totally agree with you. He just Same. brings brings such a unique skill set to the team. So I'm really hoping he can get into that game and actually get to play against his brother next luckily we're playing pittsburgh again right away so at least it's not that big of a deal although i'm sure it was much easier for the family and friends to all come up to ottawa because uh, we're probably, 50 people assumably like, yeah that's gonna be tough presumably to coming from quebec right that's a lot harder to get them all uh to pittsburgh but i hope at least some of them can uh, make it down there to pittsburgh for that game and get to see both of them playing because uh we we really want let's, yeah we really want he doesn't get joe. scratched yeah we <laughs> like really want maddie too. joe back in the lineup here it's uh we we could really use that depth and just right before we wrap it up i do want to ask you who would you scratch for joseph to put it back in if you had to pick one guy oh god the options yeah um, it's just <laughs> pick it you got so many choices i i listen probably austin watson yeah. Just because he he hasn't you haven't really seen anything effective out of him. Like Kelly still has a little bit of forechecking upside. So does Castle. Like Kelly actually has decent uh, adjusted defensive suppression numbers, which is fine. Um, but Watson's pretty much a non-factor everywhere. Like it's he still does bring that physicality, but I I just don't see the upside to playing him there. Like you already have Kelly and Castley there for the phys- for the physicality. Gambrell exists yeah. um <laughs> Derek Broussard is is there too but I I don't I feel like Watson is maybe the biggest I don't want to say detriment because that's mean uh, um I definitely agree with you though he yeah. Watson is kind of he's kind of behind the play a lot um yeah. so I, I don't think DJ will do it though I think it's not going to be him but uh no. Yeah, we're running out of time here, so just going to wrap it up quickly. Uh, be sure to check out Louis on the Zoobcast. Anything else you wanted to plug? or? No, that's about it. I, thanks a lot for having me on. Follow me on, on Twitter at Louis underscore Boulet underscore, and uh, we'll see. Maybe, maybe the sense can build off this. Who knows? Yeah, awesome show tonight. Love, you have, love to have you on again uh, sometime after this. Uh, thanks for watching, everyone. Leave a like if you enjoyed it. Subscribe to SDPN. And that'll be all for tonight. Game over! Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.